0: Do you ever feel super excited about a new offering, but when you sit down to make it a reality, you go completely blank when it comes to picking a name? I think choosing names for our offerings can be one of the most excruciating tasks of being a business owner. For me, it's been a big burden and a big barrier for a long time, so I have gathered over the years some tips and some techniques that I've learned along the way, and that's what I'm going to share with you today. The idea is to both make naming your offerings easier and also help you choose better names that are going to attract the right people to sign up. Hello, yoga teacher. Choosing the right name for your offerings is really, really important because The name is the first thing that people see. And in this age of overstimulation, it's often how they decide whether or not they're interested enough to read further. And if your name is too vague or if it's confusing, your dream student may just keep scrolling right past the life-changing offering that you so carefully crafted for them. But choosing a name that's clear, compelling, brief, and honest, it sometimes feels like an impossible task and it can definitely take way longer than you would expect for a phrase that contains only a few words. In this episode, I'm going to share the systems processes and advice that I personally use to choose names for everything that I offer from classes to online courses. I've boiled it down to five main tips. And after you hear how I do it, I'd love to hear your ideas for choosing the right name for your offerings inside the yoga teacher resource, Facebook group, If you're not yet a member, you can go to teachingyoga.net and sign up from there. Okay, let's jump right in. My first tip is save the naming for last. I don't usually recommend procrastinating, but in the case of naming, I think it's best to wait as long as you possibly can. It might seem intuitive to name first, right? That's the first thing you do, but I have not found that to be the best way to choose names, and it can really slow you down with the more important part of creating the content. See, before we get started actually creating the thing, we might have a more vague idea of what's going to be inside it and who it's for. So put off naming your thing, your offering, as long as you possibly can, and let this either be the last thing you do or the last thing you do right before you need to tell somebody what the name is. Don't let yourself get stuck on the naming process when chances are you'll pick a better name faster later on anyway. Here's one situation where I highly recommend that you procrastinate guilt-free. On to tip number two, clear is better than clever. It can be tempting to get sucked in by the glamour of a clever name, but if the people who you're trying to attract don't immediately understand what is going on, what you're trying to offer and who it's for, they're not gonna keep reading. And I found this to be especially true when you're naming your drop-in yoga classes because there's so much competition there. I've seen a lot of yoga teachers get frustrated by low attendance in classes where they've given a name that just isn't clear for the population they're trying to attract, or more frequently, they don't know what population they're trying to attract. They come up with a name that is meaningful for them, but doesn't actually mean anything to most of the people reading it. One example is something like Prana Vinyasa. If most of your students don't already know what Prana means, they may skip over your class in favor of one with a name that they understand. Now, if you are trying to specifically attract more experienced students who understand Prana and are interested in it, then Prana Vinyasa might be the perfect name. So this is not a one size fits all thing, but it's a figure out who it is that you want in your offer, in your class, in whatever it is that you're creating. Who do you want to read it? Who do you want to sign up for it? And make sure it's clear for them. One way of doing this that can kind of do double duty is to use keywords in your titles so that you also take advantage of SEO. Look, I recognize that, The yoga teacher resource, for example, is not the most creative name on the planet, but I picked it really consciously because when you see the name of my podcast, you know right away whether it's for you or not. Immediately when you see the name, you're being asked, are you a yoga teacher? And if so, are you interested in resources? Yes. Awesome. Keep reading. Keep paying attention. If either one of those is a no, then It's not for you, and that's cool. So let's go back to the example of prana vinyasa. Ask yourself, how many people are going to be searching for that term? And if you're not sure, there's lots of online tools out there that can help you learn how many searches are happening on any given keyword. I used a free tool to search for prana vinyasa, and I learned that across all of Google, there's about 100 people per month searching for prana vinyasa compared to about 12,000 people per month searching for power yoga. Now, don't get me wrong. Please do not interpret that to mean that I think you should pick a name just because people are searching for it. Definitely not, right? Prana Vinyasa and power yoga, these hopefully are two very different things. So don't pick a name just to attract people. Make sure it's accurate for sure. But... Be aware, have this in your mind as you're choosing a name. It's one piece of really helpful information. What are people searching for? And if you're offering local classes and you know that there are only 100 people per month across the entire world searching for the term you're using, then probably you're going to have to count on some other form of marketing or advertising because chances are none of those 100 people are going to be local to you. If you do find a really clever title that isn't necessarily the most descriptive, but you really love it and it it works for you, it just feels right, you can redeem it with a subtitle. So in fact, with most bigger offerings... I really recommend using a subtitle. So you don't need a subtitle for your weekly drop-in classes, but if you are putting together an online course, for example, including a subtitle would be a helpful way to give your intended participants in that online course more information about who it's for, what the outcome is, and why they should sign up right away, just the moment they learn about it. Once you have paused their scroll with a punchy title, you can fully pull in your dream students with a super descriptive subtitle. The best subtitles cover who the offering is for, what is the outcome, and how long will it take? For example, the anatomy membership that I'm working on with my friend Libby is called Anatomy Bites, which is intriguing and accurate, but not super descriptive. But the subtitle is a monthly membership for yoga teachers who want to become anatomy nerds in less than an hour per week. So now we know who it's for, what the outcome is, and how much time you'll need to invest. Again, the subtitle is just kind of a bonus tip for bigger offerings, and especially if you have a fun title that isn't as descriptive. Moving on to tip number three Keep it short and sweet. Ideally, you want your title to be five words or less. And this is because there's a lot of apps and websites that will only show the first five words, especially on mobile. The example I used above anatomy bites is only two words. So that's awesome. I also have an online course called workshops that wow. That's three words And this podcast episode is called How to Name Your Offerings, Five Words. Now, there are a lot of times where I don't meet the benchmark of five words or less in my titles, especially for my podcasts. That is okay. Depending on how big the project is, it may not make sense to spend weeks figuring out the title. I definitely cannot for each podcast episode. So when I need to name a podcast episode every single week... I give myself about 15 minutes for each one. I try to use active language. I try to make it really clear, but I'm not always super happy with the title by the time the episode is released. Now, the good thing is this gives me a lot of practice in creating titles, creating names for my things. And that's really helpful too, is just practice. When I create an online course, though, or a membership or anything that's a big ongoing project, I will spend a lot more time figuring out the right name. I think having the goal of five words or less will inspire you to be more succinct. But if you find the perfect name and it's six or seven words, then go for it. None of these are hard and fast rules. They're all just intended to be helpful, to get you closer to a name that you feel really good about, that you feel proud to share with people. Okay, tip number four is a technique for getting outside the box and beyond the obvious when you choose the name for your offering. This technique also helps you to bypass your inner critic and hopefully prevent perfectionism from tripping you up and slowing you down. I know I am not the only one that has the tendency to censor and edit along the way, rather than just letting a first draft be a first draft. So here's how I do it. I get a pen and paper. You could do it on a computer, but I like brainstorming on pen and paper personally. Then decide how many names, how many titles you are going to come up with during this brainstorm session. Make it a large number. I mean, larger than seems realistic. Usually for me, that's somewhere between 30 and 50. The idea is that you're planning to write more ideas than you can expect to have good ideas. And if you know ahead of time that you're planning to write down bad ideas as well as good, then the number starts to feel more doable. Like, okay, I could come up with 50 ideas as long as at least 30 of them can be bad. (laughs) As you start brainstorming, the obvious things are going to come out first, and then you'll hit a point where you feel kind of stuck and bad ideas start to come up. Maybe you have zero ideas, but you could force out a really bad one. And this is a crucial point. You do not want to stop writing. You do not want to censor those bad ideas. Write every single idea down. This is an important part of the process. I know some of you will be more like me and want to pretend that those bad ideas didn't happen. But I'm telling you, force yourself to write down every idea, no matter how lame, because this will keep your momentum going and it will start to help your brain make different associations than it would have made otherwise. If you push through those stuck, challenging spots, you will start having good ideas again and they'll be very different from the good ideas you were having earlier Sometimes you'll cycle between bad ideas and good ideas, and that's completely fine. Once you hit your goal number of 30 or 50, if you happen to be on a roll, feel free to keep going, or that's a moment you can also stop, scan through your ideas, and circle the best ones. Then, this is also really important, walk away from the project and come back to it later with a fresh eye. To pick either one of the top choices or maybe narrow it down and kind of massage them a bit. That's the moment where you can let your perfectionist come back. At this point, you may also want to run your top choices by other people, ideally other people who are in the target market that you want to reach. However, do be careful of asking people who are very different from your intended audience and Don't make your decision based on just one person's opinion unless it confirms what you already believe in your gut. I mean, that can be really helpful. You ask somebody and they tell you exactly what you want to hear, then you can move forward with confidence. But if what they tell you is like the opposite of what you're feeling, make sure to ask multiple people. Also, it's helpful to be really specific with your questions. So instead of asking people, what do you think of this name? Do you like this name? Do you think this is a good name? Ask them, who do you think this is for? What thoughts or images arise when you hear this name? Then you can use that information to help you see your name through the eyes of somebody who isn't as intimately connected with your project. And you can gain some insight about what unintended uh, subtext there might be with your title. My final tip is to use your thesaurus. These days, it's probably an app or a website. That's what I use anyway. But whatever form your thesaurus takes, it's a writer's best friend. For example, after your brainstorm, you might circle just the keywords that you used in your top choices, or maybe even just the keywords that you like the best and look up similar words. See if there's other options that you like better. You might also discover a synonym that allows for alliteration in your title, which is always pleasing to the ear, like the example I used earlier with workshops that wow. Oh my gosh, you guys, that title took me forever to come up with. One fun thing about using an online thesaurus is you can go down kind of a rabbit hole of synonyms. Here's an example of a chain of synonyms that I found by clicking on one synonym after another. I started with the word energize, which led me to invigorate. That led me to revitalize, which led to replenish and then rejuvenate, exhilarate, enliven, inspirit, Brighten, Kindle, Inspire, Spark, then Animate, then Activate, then Stir, then Galvanize. Now, not all of these would be words that I would use in a name, but a lot of them are. And they're all just such great, juicy words that they really get the gears turning and it starts to become fun to pick a name. Now, unless you have oodles of spare time on your hands, which I know a lot of us don't, you want to be careful about going too far down that rabbit hole too early. But it's a great tool to pull out of your tool bag if you're either feeling stuck at some point in the process or at the very end to put the finishing touches to polish up that name or even to just confirm to yourself that you really found the best Words to describe what you're offering. Okay, so those are my five tips for naming your offering. To recap, one, wait as long as possible before choosing your name. The more you know about what you're creating, the easier it's going to be to choose the right name. Two, make sure your name is clear to the people you're trying to attract. If possible, use keywords that your dream student might enter into a search engine. Three, make your name as short as possible. Aim for under five words. Four, when brainstorming, avoid letting perfectionism trip you up and tap into your creative flow by expecting and welcoming really bad ideas right alongside brilliant ones. And five, use a thesaurus to augment the words already floating around inside your own head. I hope that these five tips were helpful. I would love to hear the names that you come up with using these five strategies. If you haven't yet, hop on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group and let me know what name you've chosen. Let me know how you name your offerings. Do you have other tips that I did not cover today? If you're not yet a member, join at teachingyoga.net slash join. Meanwhile, whatever you're working on, Make sure that you are building in time for self-care. I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, I have two main strategies, my asana practice in the morning and walking. My goal is an hour a day. I do not get that every day. So far today, I've gotten 10 minutes holding my five-year-old's hand. It was really lovely. We kind of do plant identification as much as we can when we walk together. So I don't always get the full amount, but I make sure that no matter what, I do get something, even if it's 20 minutes on my mat and a 10-minute walk. So let's support each other to do that. Let's hold each other accountable. And let's recognize that we really do need to become incredibly committed to filling our own cup in order to just survive in this crazy world, much less thrive, much less help others. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.